As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. It is a ranking reaction edition. That's right, it's a Tuesday in November we got to talk about the playoff selection committee, and Ari Wasserman is here because this is a, a landmark moment, Ari. This is the first time in the history of the college football playoff rankings that a group of five team has appeared in the top four. The Cincinnati Bearcats, they're in at, at the moment, at number four. Yeah, yeah. I think that uh, any step towards uh, the end game here when you have a group of five team potentially in the field is – you know, step towards progress, right? I think that we're still kind of a, a little bit of way to go before you can really rejoice at the the reality of it. And I don't know if it's just seven or eight years of scar tissue uh, of of watching <laughs> these teams continue to be in the conversation until they inevitably lose or are left out uh, in UCF's case uh, and Cincinnati's case a year ago. So, you know, I, I think there is a little bit uh, to worry about behind them if I'm a Cincinnati fan. But I think for Tuesday, November 23rd, at least for this one night, you know, Cincinnati made history and it's going to be super exciting to see the way, way it all plays out. It is going to be very interesting. And OK, I want to ask you if I'm being naive here, because I look at this and I say, OK, Cincinnati plays East Carolina on Friday. I think they should be able to handle that game, even though the last time they went to Greenville, North Carolina, it was it was kind of a messy game that they ended up winning, I believe, 46 to 43. But. I think they're going to win that game. The Houston game is going to be tough in the American Championship game. That, that's not going to be easy. The Cougars have been playing really well. But if they win them all, I think they're in regardless of what happens in the Big 12. Am I naive? Would an Oklahoma or an Oklahoma State running the table from here on out, which would just be a two-win streak, would that team be able to jump them? It's a two-win streak against two quality wins, though. And I don't know yeah. how Cincinnati is going to be viewed. I think beating the crap out of SMU was a really big step for them because it was a two-loss team and a team that you know really had no shot. And it kind of makes you feel like if SMU is a top three team in your conference and Cincinnati blows them off the field, that's an implication to me that Cincinnati is above its conference, which is what is necessary uh, in terms of belief for, for the committee. But the thing I would ask you if you're a Cincinnati fan is if Oklahoma or Oklahoma State went out 
and it results in the Big 12 championship game, you would be sweating really hard on Selection Sunday. And I yeah, I, I don't know for sure what the committee would do in that scenario, but a Power 5, one-loss champion, especially considering the fact that even Oklahoma State, probably even more so than Oklahoma, is playing really, really well right now, I think that you could get on board with Power 5 champion over undefeated group of five team. Until this, this playoff is expanded, you know, it just has been separated for so many years as a different level of the sport. And I wonder if that trend will continue if and when that uh, uh, that scenario presents itself. I think it's going to be fascinating. And if you want to take a deeper dive into Cincinnati, uh, you can read Chris Vanini's story in The Athletic where he embedded with SMU last week. And SMU was an eight-win team that went in into Cincinnati and just got destroyed. And Chris... Can, can kind of give you firsthand, he takes you behind the curtain with SMU and how they built their game plan and then how Cincinnati completely annihilated that game plan very systematically and very quickly uh, in that game. Also, David Ubbin had a great story in The Athletic about what the committee members are talking about, what matters to them, because he talked to all of the former chairs of the committee, the people who had to get up and talk and explain all the choices. And... Like Jeff Long, who at the time was the Arkansas AD, he was the first chair of the first committee, and he said there was a coach that that was on the committee with them that had this weird punting stat that they were obsessed with, that nobody else in the room felt like it mattered, but this person, it was critical to them if this team excelled at this one weird punting stat. So, I mean, we can all guess who that might be. I, 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 you know, I don't know. I'm I'm hoping it's Barry Alvarez, but I have no idea. Uh, so Just for the brand. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It was very on brand. But <laughs> if you want to read those stories and you're not already subscribed to The Athletic, we got a Black Friday deal. Theathletic.com slash Andy Staples for $1 a month for 12 months. So 12 bucks, you get the gift of the best sports writing on the planet. We cover it all, especially in college football. We cover it deeper than anybody else. Uh, you want Bruce Feldman on the coaching carousel. You want... Uh, Grace Rayner on the Clemson Tigers, Seth Emerson on the Georgia Bulldogs, Aaron Suttles on the Alabama Crimson Tide. You want to read Ari writing about recruiting and why stars matter? Well, get yourself to theathletic.com slash Andy Staples, a dollar a month. Come on. It's like a gumball a month. It's, you can't beat it. So, Ari, let's let's delve into these rankings. So, I, I think you and I are on the same page regarding Alabama. You know, we think if they lose to Georgia, that that's it for them. But it seems like there is this just general mistrust of the committee when it comes to Alabama. That they be, that People believe that Alabama will get taken care of no matter what. And that somehow a two-loss Alabama coming off a loss to Georgia is going to make the playoff. You know what's so funny to me, too, is that even if you are one of these people who believes that Alabama has the the committee in their back pocket or that the committee is, you know, conspiracy theorist who thinks that Alabama gets treated differently than everybody else. That would be okay. If Alabama didn't win it every year, like it's like right. one, th it's like one thing to think that a team is mistreated, not mistreated, treated improperly in, in, in comparison to everybody else. And then they got their doors blown off every time they made it to the dance. They but are, in. are they only win because they get special treatment to get in. It has nothing to do with you know, maybe they're just good. <laughs> I, I have no idea if people really grasp how hard it is to win two playoff games in a row. 
Like, I, I honestly don't. I think people think that all somebody would need is an opportunity, and then, then they would have a shot if they were having a good year. And it's just like, my everybody knows my take on this. There isn't a yeah. single team ranked below three. And that is like pushing it. So why don't I say six or five that could win two games in a playoff if, if Alabama, Ohio State, and Georgia are in a, in a row. And when the playoff expands, there will be no team seated less than the top four unless it's an Alabama, LSU, Ohio State type team that inexplicably that lost two win games. The conference. Yeah. That didn't win yeah. the conference that goes on to win the national championship. So making it, having a seat at the table, I think it's great. I think that we are... Um, we are a few weird things away from Notre Dame and Cincinnati potentially making the playoff, which is an oh, you're absurd excited thing. About this scenario. I, I, I am. The gleam am. in your eye when you talk about this. Or what if, well, I mean, because I think the best possible scenario would be uh, Cincinnati, uh, a big, if you want parity, Cincinnati, Oklahoma State, Ohio State, and Georgia. Because even though Georgia's been a, a perennial recruiting powerhouse, they're still somewhat new blood in the play. Would this be their second right, they appearance haven't won in the, the national title since 1980? They've only made the playoff once. Since so the playoff it's still, started. it would be three yeah. new blood teams in the playoff. Although Georgia does feel like a team that's always around um, that's on that stage. So that would be exactly what people would want. But I promise you the top two seeds, no matter how it pans out this year, will whoever it is, is going to win the national championship. Whoever the top, one of the top two seeds will. Which is interesting, and because we've seen a four seed win it twice, but one was Ohio State, and one was Alabama. Yeah, and unless a four seed recruits the, at the right, it's level. there's two tough, there's two types of four seeds. There's Alabama and Ohio State who had an off year, and a Cinderella that barely made it. Those are very different teams. Yeah, so the the scenario you've laid out, which I think is an interesting one, would require somebody to split or Baylor to win the the big 12 championship, you know, something like that. And well, I guess it would be Baylor to winning the the big 12 championship because whoever wins Bedlam is going to the big 12 championship game. Yeah. So, so Baylor would have to win. If Baylor were to lose this weekend, then you could conceivably see a rematch of Bedlam. But for, for our purposes, the, the most likely scenario is Baylor wins the Big 12 championship game. That knocks the Big 12 out, and that gives you your scenario of, let's say Georgia beats Alabama, Georgia, Big 10 Clears champion, whether it's Ohio State or Michigan, Cincinnati, Notre Dame. And how fast would all those commissioners run to beg Bill Hancock to vote again more quickly on whether they're going to get the playoff. And I realize they're, they're supposed to vote next week. They're supposed to vote before the championship games about getting it going, expanding more quickly. I think they're, they're seeing the writing on the wall and realize they were, most of them who were doing it because they were mad at the SEC taking Oklahoma and Texas were doing it for the wrong reasons. Like you didn't need to hold this up. You needed to get it moving. And I think we're going to see them get it moving because what you just, uh, what you just laid out, is entirely plausible. It's not crazy. I don't think it's going to happen, no. but it's not crazy. And it's not a doomsday scenario that you lay out at the end of October. We're like two games away from that. And, yeah. and what and that, I, what I, that I said would be this is on the, three on power five leagues left out in a single year. 
Yeah, independent in group of five. Um, the spread of the Alabama, the look ahead spread of the Alabama Georgia game, if it were to be played on Saturday, would be Georgia by four, minus four. That sounds about. That sounds fair. I, I actually probably would take Georgia in that scenario. I think Georgia would cover four. Against I Alabama. would take Georgia too. Alabama was creepily close to making it fun last weekend, and I'm very curious. You know, I'm and, and very, by making it fun, you mean losing to Arkansas. <laughs> Yeah, well, they were. Well, they there was a scenario in the fourth quarter where Arkansas possessed the ball down six. So correct, you know, they were I think inside their own five. So it kind of then they went three and out and punted, and then the game was over. But like the the intrigue was there. Um, I am very curious, and I'm, I'm wondering what your take on this is. Is you know how Stetson Bennett will hold up against Alabama's defense when Will Anderson's on the other side of the field? I'm very curious. I'm not, I'm not worried about Stetson Bennett anymore. I, I'm worried about what if George Pickens plays a, a decent amount of snaps against Georgia Tech, feels pretty good, and suddenly decides I'm full goal for the Alabama game. Like I, I'm more worried about Alabama's secondary when George's receiving core is suddenly at full strength. Yeah, no, I know it's fair. I Georgia had the most. I don't know how to say this because nothing in the SEC is easy, but they had the most. Advantageous path. path. It's okay. It's okay to say that, but it wasn't easy. It, I, I don't want. When I say easiest path, I don't want to s- th- pretend like I think George. It was an easier path than anybody in the West had. It it was a very Cinderella like path to this point, and all the teams they've beaten and all the accomplishments that they've had over the course of this season are great. But I think everybody would agree that beating Alabama is just a different animal, and I don't know that we've seen. Georgia beat that type of animal this year. So until we see it, we can't count on it a hundred percent. I'm with you. I've been with you since day one. We both on this podcast predicted that Georgia would win a national championship back in August. And we're almost to that point. But as we sit here now in, in November, November 23rd with one week left before sec championship game, I can't say beyond the shadow of a doubt that I'm like positive that they're going to beat Alabama. No. And I'm, I'm glad it's that way. I don't want it to feel like it's inevitable that one particular team's going to win the national title right now. I, I want there to be some intrigue. So I'm perfectly happy with that. I, and I, I am intrigued by the, the circumstances of the, of the SEC championship game because, you know, you, you had what went down in the national title game after the 2017 season. You had what happened in the 2018 SEC title game. It feels like for Georgia that – this is this it's this massive mountain they've got to climb over but the circumstances of of it this time are the pressure's off you like you really have nothing to lose and i i actually think that bodes worse for alabama in this game than if georgia had pressure on it to beat alabama yeah i guess that's true like if georgia goes into the game thinking hey we we are still in are we 100% sure I guess we probably are, but are we 100.000% sure or 99.99% sure that a one-loss non-conference champion Georgia would go over the other candidates? We're not 100% sure. Like if Oklahoma State, if Oklahoma sure State anything with the committee. No, I know, but if let's let's just map this scenario out. Alabama beats Georgia 31 to 21. Okay. Okay. Oklahoma State wins their next two games, including Bedlam, in convincing fashion. Okay. Um, wins the Big 12 and has only given up one or two touchdowns in their last six games heading into the 
playoff selection committee. Cincinnati boat races everybody left on their conference and finishes uh, 11 and 0 or, or finishes undefeated in American champions and, and looking good at that. And then Ohio State wins the Big Ten. What percentage are you certain? Because nobody's considered this, and maybe I'm an idiot for considering it. But is there a percentage chance in your mind that Georgia could be left out in that scenario? It's a very low percentage. Like 1% or 5%? Cincinnati. Would Georgia get in over undefeated Cincinnati in that scenario? I think they would. Well, why did you jump to Cincinnati? I think that's insightful. Would Georgia get in over one loss Oklahoma State in that scenario? I think they would. Because it, 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 you think it's that the same one reason Alabama was sitting could... at number two. Same reason Alabama was sitting at number two until the committee saw a reason to move Ohio State to number two. They they played the, we don't know about these teams, so we'll just go with the one we think would win if they all played. If Georgia played yeah. Cincinnati, You're probably right. who would you yeah. favor? Who would Vegas favor? Yeah. Well, yeah, sure. Yeah, and, and I'm talking about the one loss, Georgia, you've just concocted. Like, if that team played Cincinnati, who would Vegas favor Georgia? If that team played Oklahoma State, What was the spread t- of the Georgia-Cincinnati game last year? It wasn't, wasn't that less high than a touchdown. I yeah, I think it was like five. Yeah, and it turned out to right. be a very close game. Yeah, yeah. I, I so it's like funny to me because Georgia then I guess is one more win away from clinching a playoff berth. Yeah, I, I think they are, and it's a win that they should. I mean, if you watched Notre Dame Georgia Tech last week, Georgia should be able to handle this one pretty pretty well. Yeah, so, no, I'm not worried about it. Yeah, I, I think. I think we're pretty close to, to knowing what's going to happen. But the but the the Big 12 scenario is just interesting. I just I, I I'm fascinated because Bedlam has been so dominated by Oklahoma, but it feels like this year Oklahoma State is built to beat them. That defense is nasty. Jim Knowles Yeah, I mean Oklahoma's offense in normal years is what? They're the unstoppable Force. I always get that wrong. Is that is an unstoppable force? It is the irresistible force and the immovable object. I thought it was the unstoppable force. Irresistible and unstoppable are pretty irresistible. Much the same sounds thing. like you on prom night. That's I was quite resistible, <laughs> on and and pretty much throughout high school. Didn't blossom till college. Sorry, and now Didn't look at you. Till college, was, yeah. As 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 my first girlfriend in college put it at, at a dinner with a bunch of my high school friends who already knew this and didn't need to be reminded of it. And he didn't get much play in high school. So, you know, Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. But it was, it was funny though. Cause she thought she was making a big funny and, and all my friends from high school, were like, yeah, we know we were there. <laughs> I just, I just wanted to call you irresistible. I thought that, uh, that was a good podcasting. Well, I mean, we got, we could get the Robert Palmer thing going, the, the, the ladies dancing in the background but no, it is it is the the irresistible force and the immovable object. Uh, and yeah, Oklahoma well, State I know is, is that absolutely t- the immovable object of late. <laughs> yeah, and one touchdown in the past month. I think the other touchdown that Oklahoma State has allowed was a scoop and score that the offense allowed. Yeah, Oklahoma State's defense is really really good, and Oklahoma's offense is fine. And just fine and and prone to crippling mistakes. Yeah. And also spurts of game that feels like they're playing in quicksand. Yes. So, I I mean, it just the dynamics of that particular rivalry feel very different this year 
Then they do it. Normally, like, you're like, okay, how's the piano going to fall on Oklahoma State's head here? And I don't get that vibe coming off coming off that team this year. Yeah. There's a, there's um, a lot of interesting stuff about this season. Think about everything that probably had to fall into place for Cincinnati to be in this position. So I think that if all the stuff could happen the way it's happened yep. so far this year, that I guess it's time to start believing, which I guess I could get on board with. There's, there's and, one thing that could have happened that would have helped them a lot if Indiana had been last year's Indiana team and they'd yeah. beaten them. That would have been very helpful. Yeah. Uh, that but like Notre Dame winning out, because I think that we all believe yeah. that Notre Dame is just, you know, a r- really good team in comparison to 90% of college football, but not an excellent team. And this Notre Dame was certainly prone to losing again, and they just didn't do that. And now they're yeah. playing really well, so that win looks really, really good. So the fact that Notre Dame is in the top 10 is like the entire the entire thing for Cincinnati. And who's Notre Dame left? Who does Notre Dame have left? Notre That's a Dame dumb question. Has, they pl- uh, has Stanford. That's it. So they should make it. Um, yeah, Stanford. So, I mean, Cincinnati did their job, and then Notre Dame did their job for Cincinnati. You have no Pac-12 team in contention. The Big 12 isn't dominated by Oklahoma this year, and Oklahoma might win it, but they look like trash all year, and then you know, aren't really the type of team that you want to give the benefit of the doubt to. Like everything is lined up well for Cincinnati, but everything's kind of lined up well for Oklahoma state too, you know, and maybe it's just one of those years where something different is finally going to happen. I think the world would like to see Oklahoma state make the playoff. I think the world, I I mean, it's like, I don't know. Are we dismissing Michigan's chances of beating Ohio state? Let's, let's talk about that. When we come back, are we going to, we got to pay some bills here, but, but let's talk about that because that is something that, you know, I think we've we've just been conditioned to feel. I'm not sure we should be feeling it right now. Let's let's talk about when we when we come back from these words. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24/7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. You're the one who always convinces me with, with Ohio State and Michigan not to expect anything different. That Ohio State, by virtue of, of the talent they amass and also by virtue of the, the premium they put on this particular game, that that program historically, no matter who the coach is, puts on this particular game, that they are nearly unbeatable against Michigan. So, Ari, now I want you to convince me why it will be different this year. So here's the thing. Like, I, I think maybe that's just me forgetting how I've been in the past. But as a beat writer there, 
every single year they played Michigan in scenarios like this. I tried my best to think rationally and, and level-headed about this, and I would come to the conclusion based on the circumstances that were in play that Michigan would keep it close. And unfortunately for, for Michigan, they only did that one time. So this year, although I'm very tempted to look at this team and look at this scenario and look at where it's at and say, Michigan's been very good against the spread. They've got really good advanced statistics. You know, Jim Harbaugh is, this is the thing that could legitimize his entire existence. There are so many reasons why Michigan should be able to keep this close. I'm probably just not going to fall into the trap anymore because I fell into it every single year. And what happens? Ohio state runs crossing routes and the final score is 59 to whatever. And 59 to 23, right. Or something like and it's that. Like, yes. And like, sometimes I feel like I'm missing something because the spread opened at six and a half. And I'm like, do they really think that Ohio state is less than a touchdown better than Michigan? And then now the line is up to almost nine. I think it's nine in some places, eight and a half. Like if Jim Harbaugh lost this game by 10, I feel like that'd be a legitimizing game for him. He doesn't even have to win it. I, I think he just, they just want him to be competitive. I, I'm with you. Like, I've I've had people ask me this week, does he have to win it because of everything that happened last year with the pay cut and all that? No, he doesn't have to win it. It would be nice if they could be competitive. I, I think that would legitimize everything. If if they're competitive in this game, I think it it would basically say Michigan is on the right track, right? Yeah, and what I'll say about Michigan too is that usually when Ohio State uh, plays them, Ohio State has a distinct advantage uh, if you were to compare position group to position group. And I think this right. year with Michigan's very defensive important line. position groups, Michigan feels like they Michigan, have either right. an advantage or, or equal. Yes. Yes. So I, I don't know. You know, Aiden Hutchinson is one hell of a player. You know, they've got an entirely good defensive line, in my opinion. If they could pressure C.J. Stroud, who's a redshirt freshman and all of a sudden Heisman candidate, then you know maybe you could convince yourself it's it's on the road. Michigan wants this win more than any program has ever wanted to win. Uh, they've won 10 games inexplicably this year when we thought coming into it that they'd be lucky to reach the over-under, which was 7.5 or 8, I think. Uh, it was a tough schedule that they blew through. The only game they did lose was a game, in my opinion, they kicked the crap out of their opponent for three and a half quarters and then just ended up losing somehow. Um, right. You know, all these things add up to what you would, you know, it's a rivalry game. Conventional wisdom is what? This is going to be a close game. So I understand the the desire to want to give into that. But until Michigan actually keeps it close, you know, you can go back to the 16 game and do the hand motion and it was a good game. But that was the worst Ohio State team in the last decade, and that was probably one of the better Michigan teams, and they still couldn't get it done. Uh, Ohio State has transformed its talent in the five or six years since that's happened, and it's just a completely different ball game now. And the last thing I'll say, Andy, is if you do think that this is the game that Harbaugh is going to be coaching for his life, he wins this, he needs to win this game and all these things, this is why it's going to be close, I would make the argument that the reason why I think Michigan is going to lose is because Michigan can't win this game. Harbaugh can't win this game. He hasn't won this game once in his entire tenure. So instead of saying this is all the marbles and all the quotes that you're reading out of Ann Arbor, I think that we should listen to the history, and that's what is Harbaugh's most significant win at Michigan's program in the last five or six years, and could this win even be compared to what beating Ohio State would be? What would that be? Would it be Wisconsin this I don't even year? Because that's the first Maybe. one he won as an underdog. 
I don't know the stats, but the stats are ugly. Like he's like one and nine or something against the top ten opponents. Yeah, but it's it's interesting or though. Two because- and eight or something. We we had this discussion last year when when they made the decision to cut his pay, cut the buyout. I'm now of the opinion that he's one of the better bargains in college football. Am I wrong on that? Yeah, I mean he's getting paid less. What is he getting paid the same amount as Hugh Freeze at Liberty? <laughs> like, I mean, he's, basically, yeah, he's, Hugh, he, Hugh Freeze. That's right. As of Tuesday night, Hugh Freeze agreed to a contract that'll pay him an average of four million bucks a year. Harbaugh gets four million plus incentives. Like that—that that is what we're talking about. Harbaugh is going to take him to a New Year's Six Bowl. Like, yeah, I mean, I guess financially it's a bargain. It's not the product that you want, though. So, you know, you can go to Walmart but, and buy I mean, a T-shirt, or you can go to Rag and Bone and get one for eighty bucks. It's a nice bargain to get a to get a nice T-shirt yeah, at you, Walmart, but yeah, but it's not made the same. Fit in the one from Walmart, the the one from Rag and Bone. <laughs> it's like a double X would fit someone who wears a small at Walmart. Are you proud of me that so, I know what that is? I'm not sure how I feel about that. I I don't, I, you know, I used to worry about dressing well. I, I'm not like that anymore. Now I just wear athleisure everywhere. So yeah, athleisure uh, is actually the thing that's expensive now, though. That's that is true. The the like Viore and Lululemon because the Lululemon has really really done a great job with their men's stuff. I wear a Lululemon shorts like every day. So oh, like to me. I, I, I like their their line, but Lululemon is but not how, a cheap place to shop. How bougie are we? Do we want? To, do we need to get into the Lululemon versus Chubby's debate? Um, I have I'm Chubby's, Chubby's too. for the shorts. Do you do Lululemon, seven? Lululemon on top, Chubby's on the bottom. I only have Chubby's uh, swimsuits. I don't have their shorts. Oh, the, their workout shorts are spectacular, and I wear them for everything because then I don't have to wear underwear because they're already built in. Oh yeah, it's that's like how lazy I. That is how lazy the pandemic made me, Ari. Do you do the seven inches or the five anymore. inch ones? Do you do the short ones? Well, oh, the shorty short. Oh, yeah, we <laughs> skies out, thighs out, baby. Listen, I didn't. I didn't do those squats for nothing, Ari. Yeah. Hey, well, so. you know what were we even talking about? Oh yeah, the bargain. It's like, and I think I said this to you the last time you brought this up. It's like, I don't think Michigan fans care about the bargain. Michigan's football program or administration isn't going to be made or broken by the $4 million less they're paying this guy a year. They want the results. But my thing is, if you you may not get those results paying eight, and you didn't, and you might not with the next guy you have to pay eight. I mean, we're we're sitting here on a day where James Franklin disagreed to a 10-year deal that is, I believe... You know, if they fired him now, which obviously they're not, but it'd be a $65 million buyout. It's a very high buyout. It goes down incrementally year by year. It's not a it's not a flat fee buyout or anything like that. He they're they're locked into James Franklin for a long, long time. And I don't they don't even seem particularly happy with James Franklin now. Yeah, I thought that was strange. I was a little surprised by that. So would you rather be in that position? Or the position Michigan's in. I'd rather not be in either position. I'd rather be in a position where I'm paying a coach reasonably and getting the results that my program indicates I should be getting. Well, that never happened. Nobody pays a coach reasonably if they're getting the results they want. The the second they get the results they want, they they start paying the coach unreasonably because they're scared that somebody's going to take him. Ohio State pays their coach reasonably and gets the response that they want. Yeah, but they're going to have to pay him unreasonably. They're going to have to pay him unreasonably, Ari. If Mel Tucker gets paid unreasonably, I don't think Ohio State plays that game. You'll see. He might get a raise, but they they don't do it. That my coworker Landis, Bill Landis, your favorite guy, 
made Lovely. an interesting point because I haven't really thought about this, but he said, and, and we came to the conclusion that the ups or the incentives of coaching at Ohio state, which is built in advantages from a support s- standpoint, geographical advantages and all the things that you get, like what Ryan day, who Ryan day is right now is a perk of that job. That is more important than the last few million on an annual basis. And I, it's like, I, I can agree with that. I can agree with that. Ari. And here's the thing. Almost everybody before Ryan Day would they could come in and be like, okay, we're, okay, so where are you going to go? Like somebody may pay you more, but you're going to fail and get fired because you don't have the infrastructure you have here. You know what Ryan Day could say, though, to that question? The NFL, the yeah. Bears, or somewhere like that. I know. Like I he actually them. has a legitimate place he could go where they may have to pay him more to keep him. Yeah, yeah. And I guess if it comes to that point, they might have to. But the thing about it that is so funny to me is that we continually have this debate about, oh, what are we going to do uh, at X school because there's no likable or like there's no reasonable candidate. Yeah, Nobody had any idea who work, Ryan Day was it's, before it's Ryan Day got hired. No Ohio State fan knew who Ryan Day was when he got hired as a coordinator. And the reason why True. he's been so successful is part of is the infrastructure of that program, which is worth more. I'd rather get paid six million or seven million at Ohio State than 11 million at Michigan State. I don't know, Ari. Because you're you going to make more money between, in the long. Do you know what the difference is between eleven million and six million? Yeah, it's a lot of money. It's five million dollars. We're terrible at math on this podcast. <laughs> you know that's that one. Five freaking million dollars. Uh, Andy doesn't know how to how to do over under totals, but he can count that. He can count cash. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm naive. I'm not in this. I'm not in the scenario where I get to pick that. And Ryan Day is making closer to nine, so it's not that, that big. That's of a, true. It's yeah, not a bigger I, I know, jump, I know. but. I think that you could say that Ryan Day is probably more likely to make money over the course of his career. Uh, in this situation, the Mel Tucker would be to sign a fat contract at Michigan State because if it ends poorly at Michigan State, he might get fired. He might not get another job again, whereas Ryan Day might make less annually per year, but he'll be recognized as one of the top five coaches in America for the next 25 years, and his career earnings will outweigh it based Ari, on the benefit Ari, of that. Ari, Ari, you're so naive. The, the, key is, the key is how much... Will you possibly get paid to not work? That's no, the I understand. Dream. I get it. He, the buyout <laughs> thing. James Franklin is sitting on like he better send Jimmy Sexton a case of Pappy for that contract. Do you if think Mel that he's t- just going to tank next year and hope to get that buyout? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I, I don't think that guy would do that. But and Mel Tucker, same thing. If 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 that number. And again, we have not seen verification on on the number that was thrown out last week. But if it's anywhere close to accurate, if any, you know, if it's like sixty percent guaranteed, come on, yeah. it's, it's unbelievable. And a burden it's the greatest too. I get it. I get ever. it. I get it. I'm very curious to see if Mel Tucker's contract rumor is true, and when James Franklin gets the ink dry on this contract, what Ohio State will do. I'm sure they'll bump him up. But I don't think it's going to be some weird, uh, you know, arms race where all of a sudden Ryan Day is going to be making fourteen million a year as a result of. The, I think Ohio State is the it, dictator it, in this scenario. Yeah, it probably doesn't wind up being the one dollar more thing that LSU and Alabama traded off on for a few years when when it was less miles and Nick Saban. Yeah, I, I don't think they're. I don't think Ohio State needs to do that. I, I think you're right. I'm, I'm making fun a little bit, but you're you're exactly right. They can provide an infrastructure that hardly anybody else can. This is why Gene Smith, when Urban Meyer decided to resign, looked around, looked at some candidates and said, you know what? If I can keep this going, 
And by this, I mean the infrastructure that's been built with Mickey Marotti in the, in the weight room, Mark Pantoni running recruiting, all, all of the people that were there that helped make it great when Urban Meyer was there. That's probably more important than, than the guy in charge. That machine that they've built. And you keep seeing all these, these other coaches try to recreate it, try to like, I don't know that anybody can do it. Cause even Alabama, they've had to replace everything. You know, Nick Saban's the secret sauce at Alabama, but Ohio state has a machine. And, and, and you know, here's the thing. There are certain programs. Well, there's two programs, Ohio state and Oklahoma. They're just rarely ever bad. You know, Oklahoma had a, a weird period in the 90s, but that's about it. Ohio State, other than the weird year after Jim Trestle got forced out, the 2011 season, that's it. That, that was And half their team was suspended. Right. They, they're never bad, ever. So there is there should be a discount for never being bad. Yeah, no, there is. Like, you shouldn't have to pay your coach as much because – there's something we, you know, we, you and I talk about with Texas that it, it's got to be something with the place that makes it so hard to win there. Well, Ohio State, it's the exact opposite. There's something about the place that makes it where anybody can walk in and be successful year after year after year. Now, I, I don't mean just anybody. I think they've done a great job picking the coaches, but that it's a place that's built to win. It just is. So getting back to what we were talking about, though, do you and I don't want to like cut ourselves off of the knees for our show that we're recording tomorrow afternoon. Um, oh, but do you think Michigan has a chance to win the game? Yes. Yes. If they can if they can put pressure on Stroud, if they can muck it up, cause some turnovers. Yes. The 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 problem. And, and we were together. Were we together at the 18 and the 19 games? I believe we were. What game was the last one in Ann Arbor? Was that 19? That was 19, and then the one in Columbus that was Urban Meyer's last Michigan game. So well, that would have been well, – these years are – The 18 last year, the they would have been at was home. when Michigan was favored going into the game, and Ohio State just destroyed them. And then the 19 when Ohio State was favored won the game by a very healthy margin. But it was kind of the same thing where – Ohio State clearly just out-athleted Michigan every step of the way. I think there's, like you said, there's certain key position groups where Michigan either has the advantage or they're equal, and that could be the difference. You know, that could be the difference between whether this is a competitive game or not. And I think they can make it a competitive game. Now, am I going to predict a Michigan win? No. I'm not crazy. I've watched the last 10 years of football – but do I feel like this game can be a lot closer than the last two times they played? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, a lot closer is is what? What are we talking about with a lot closer? 14, 17? It's just like I just don't know what what the Michigan close game looks like because I can't 10, envision. 12? Do you think that Michigan can stop Ohio State from scoring 40 points? Maybe, yeah. It, it forced a couple turnovers, yes, I, I do. Yeah. Now, because that's the only way Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson is, doesn't get any easier when, when they're clicking. That offense is really hard to stop. But if you get in CJ Stroud's face, you have a chance. Michigan has the kind of players who can get in his face. Now, my 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 worry is Michigan scoring with Ohio State. 
Again, this only works if there's turnover short fields. That's the only way that works. I don't see them just marching up and down the field against them. This game's got like 44 to 27 or 51, 27 written all over it. Well, we'll see. We're, we're going to yeah. talk about it more. We, we've got a big show that's going to drop Wednesday night where we talk about all these games that are coming up. We wanted to do it early because we want to talk Egg Bowl, which I, I cannot tell you how excited I am about that game, but some fun Black Friday games. You've got, you got Iowa-Nebraska, which I, I realize Nebraska is you know not very good this year, and, and Scott Frost fired his entire offensive staff, but every game they play is close. So why would this be any different? North Carolina, NC State, that's, you know, you you were so high on the, the Tar Heels. I think this might be your chance. To I'm still high on the future. themselves a little bit. I'm yeah, high on the future so, still. I'm not, yeah, I'm not, I'm not you, out you, like I'm on, out on Texas. Cincinnati, ECU. Hey, if it's anything like the last trip to Greenville, North Carolina, could be, uh, could be interesting. So we shall see, but there is a lot to digest and it's not just turkey. This is going to be a wonderful, wonderful week. We'll be right back after these words. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And then we're done talking about the rankings. Got a little bonus content for you today. Scott Satterfield, the head coach at Louisville, joined the podcast to talk about a hot streak the Cardinals are on, trying to finish strong with a rivalry game against Kentucky. But a really interesting situation with them because Malik Cunningham, their quarterback, is putting up some amazing numbers in one of those only in 2021 situations. He can come back next year for a sixth year. This is a guy who was a red shirt when Lamar Jackson was playing at Louisville. So this is a bridge to a a very different period in in Louisville football history, but also a guy who has really matured over over time and now has a choice of, does he go to the NFL? Does he come back for another year at Louisville? And 
once again, in other words, only in 2021 situations, he might actually have a financial reason to come back to Louisville now because of NIL. It's a really interesting situation, and Scott Satterfield had a lot of thoughts on it. Let's talk to him right now. Joined now by Louisville coach Scott Satterfield. And, and Louisville, one of the hottest teams in the country the last few weeks, uh, Malik Cunningham putting up basically video game numbers at quarterback. And, and Scott, I, how much easier is it as a play caller when, when you've got a QB who has gotten comfortable in the pocket, doesn't give the ball away, and oh, by the way, can take off and run for a 75-yard touchdown if you need it? Um, makes it a lot, uh, really comfortable. Obviously, you know, he's what, what he's been doing the last two weeks, you know, just showing a lot of poise in the passing game, sitting in the pocket, you know, and letting the routes develop and then, you know, throwing some accurate passes. And then what he can do with his legs has been, you know, he's been doing that his whole career. And, you know, there's times where he, you know, pulls the ball down and I'm thinking, man, he should have handed it off or he should have thrown it. But then he goes and gets a touchdown. You're like, wow. You know, so it's pretty uh, – I got a pretty good seat to watch it, you know, being right there on the sideline. And uh, he's had a he's had a really good year. Um, he's taking care of the football like you mentioned. He's thrown the ball well. And what he's done with his legs is tremendous. So 755 yards from scrimmage, 12 total touchdowns the past two games. You, you guys pounded Syracuse, which had been very good most of the year. It had, had given a lot of the really good teams in the ACC a, a big challenge. You had a, a, a very good game against them. Then you have that great game against Duke. Now you're about to play Kentucky. I, I know there were some, you know, some games early in the season where the fourth quarter came and you know kind of bit you. But what's it like to to end it this way? And and if you can win against Kentucky, which you know you guys haven't beaten Kentucky since Lamar was starting for you, how much would that kind of give you a boost going into this offseason? Oh, it'd be huge, um, you know, really uh, big. You know, what we've done this year, we've had a very solid year. You know, obviously we, we should have won some of these close games that we were in, you know, coming down to the last play, I think in three of them. And um, we come in on the short end of the stick of those games. And, you know, but I think, you know, we've shown the resiliency this year at the end of it to, to be able to come back and, and to play really well. You know, you mentioned Syracuse, you know, coming into that game, they were five and four and had three games that came down to the last seconds as well. And um, their defense had been playing really good. And, you know, and their offense was a, one of the top rushing teams in the country. And, you know, our defense did a great job of shutting down their run. And offensively, we just put up a lot of points. And, um, you know, so that was a huge win for us. We, we needed a win like that. We've been so close in, in all these games. But to come out and, and really, you know, put together a, a game to where you win in by 30, you know, that was a, that was a huge win. And then to go back-to-back -back with that, um, going down to Durham on, on the road in ACC and getting a huge win there. A lot of momentum, I think, headed into this this last one against Kentucky. You know, this is only the second time I've played against Kentucky. And, you know, and obviously we get to have them at home, which is exciting. They've had a really good year. Uh, I think, what, eight wins on the season so far. And, you know, Coach Stoops done a really good job with that program over the last several years, you know, putting together a, um, a really good a good team uh, year in and year out. And so for us to be able to go out here and win, and that would be huge for our program um, for a lot of reasons, you know, bragging rights in the state um, helps out in recruiting, um, you know, and then, and obviously to win our seventh game and, and to get momentum headed into a bowl game and try to go get that one. You're sitting there looking at eight wins and, you know, eight wins is a, obviously a very solid year and it's going to propel us in the next season when we got a bunch of guys back and, and, and to really, um, uh, you know, hopefully going into next year, you know, be one of the top teams in the country. Well, let's talk about the next year and guys back, because I think that's such an interesting question with you guys, because 
Malik is one of those guys who has a choice to make. He 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 would be done if not for the the bonus COVID year. So he has the option to come back. What do you think he's going to choose? Well, I think for him, uh, you know, obviously it'll be up to him and his family. And, you know, I think the growth that he has shown this year has been tremendous. And, and then I think one more season, obviously, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit biased, you know, with, with this response, but for to have one more season to come back and continue to develop and grow as a, as a quarterback, I think um, everybody sees his athleticism, you know, sees how he can go out and make plays when things break down with his legs. Um, but I think he's shown this year, you know, the way he can sit in the pocket and throw the football. And I still think he's got a lot of room for growth with that. You know, I kind of liken it to, um, you know, at Pitt, what their quarterback has been able to do this year yeah, compared to Pickett. last year. You know, he was very – yeah, Pickett. He was very solid last year, but he came back this year and he's one of the best in the country. And, you know, his his draft stock has gone way up. You know, probably going to be a first-rounder now. And, um, you know, so, so I think there's a lot of room for growth at the position of quarterback. And I think, you know, Cunningham – can, can certainly help himself by coming back. And I think, you know, ultimately what we got coming back on this football team, you know, to be able to have, a you know, one of the best teams out there next year. And I think, you know, he can be a part of that. And, you know, shoot, he's having one of those, you know, magical type seasons this year, what he's been able to do. And I think there'll be a lot of pub for him, you know, if he comes back for next year, headed into his, you know, what would be his, you know, fifth year playing. Well, and the other thing that's unique to this year hasn't been a question before, but NIL's here now. You know, these guys can go make deals on their own. They can they can get paid while they're still in college. How much? I, I mean, obviously, you can't give them a deal, but how much would being the quarterback at Louisville, coming off a season like this, and you know, being in the public sphere, like, like you said, there's going to be a lot of hype. There's going to be a lot of pub. How much can, can somebody benefit from that? Well, yeah, no, no question about that. You know, we're in a, we're in a, a city here that, that has a lot of NIL possibilities. And we've seen that this year with some of our guys, you know, we have several of our guys that have done really well and he's one of them. And I think, you know, coming into the off season, um, with a lot of hype around our program and a, and a lot of hype around him in particular, you can't do anything but but get get him a lot of op- more opportunity. And I think, you know, it's a great point that you're making because in the past, you know, that was not not was not going to be feasible. You know, these guys, there wasn't even a question. You know, they would they're going to be try to go and, and go make some money on their own. Where now they're able to to come back to school, you know, continue to play at their 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 school and to play with their teammates, and also capitalize on on the, their name. And, and and how they perform and and how they do in a community and, and Malik's been great with that and I think um, you know that's certainly going to be a, in the decision making process for him to know that he can come back and and really you know financially help himself out and that you know and that's for him he in his eyes it's going to be a guarantee whereas you know you come out like where you know are you going to get drafted what round is it going to be or is it going to be a free agent or and I got to make the team there's a lot of unknowns that go go you know if you come out so. So I think uh, that's something that's certainly going to be in his decision-making process. So for for you, what's it been like managing with this going on? You know, it's obviously not something the coaches get involved in, but but you have to manage the locker room, manage the players. How how have you guys managed it as a coaching staff, and and how have your players handled dealing with all this stuff? Yeah, well, I think number one, we talked about it a lot last spring with our team, with our leadership group, and and how our our guys recognize the fact that you know. The, the better we are as a football team, the more individual accolades these guys are going to be able to get. And in, in return, more money they're going to be able to make NIL-wise. And 
So I think they had a great perspective on it to know that, listen, we got to come out and put a good, good product on the field that, that, you know, these businesses will, would like to, you know, partnership with, and they know that they got to win in order to make that happen. And, you know, and I think that's a great mindset and us coaches, you know, like you mentioned, we really, we get, we stay out of that whole process. We're not involved in any of that. And, you know, our whole deal as coaches is we want our guys to play together as a team. So, the message from the players was, hey, we got to stick together because we got to win as a team. And so that's music to, to our ears as coaches because that's obviously what we want. And, you know, I think it hasn't been a problem this year. All our guys, we've had several guys benefit from it. And um, we'll have more that will benefit in the future, I'm sure. And it's not just been offense. It's been defense. It's, I mean, there's a billboard right now as you come up to our stadium with our, you know, I think five of our defensive players um, on this billboard uh, that were sponsored by Planet Fitness. So, I mean, there's a lot of lot of you know things that mo- a lot of our players have been able to capitalize on, which I think is awesome, um, and it really has not been a negative at all within our program. So getting getting back to you know whether Malik comes back and I know there's some other other guys who have that option. How how great is it to have the possibility of you could have guys who played with Lamar still in your program? I mean that that that's crazy to when when you really think about it. Yeah. No, it really is. We're, you know, it's it's insane right now, really, to think about some of these guys that have, have been in this program. But then I look across the teams we that we have to play, uh, you know, and some of these guys have been playing. Like Sam Harden at Wake Forest has been starting for three years. He's a sophomore. I don't know how that's possible. And, uh, you know, and <laughs> yeah. I mean, that guy, he can, he'll, you know, and here's the thing. These guys, and just like Cunningham, you know, he stays another year. I mean, he's going to he's gonna break some Lamar Jackson records because of longevity. And, uh, you know, so some of these players in these programs can go down, you know, as one of the best in the history of their school. I mean, and that's something that, you know, they might not think about that much now, but when they get out of college and, you know, they, you know, are 25, 30 years old, 35, whatever, and they're going to look back and say, man, I, you know, I've got, the, I've got some of these records that I'm the best in the history of my school. So I think that's tremendous opportunity for these guys. Um, you know, but this roster management for head coaches is the most challenging thing that we have going today. Um, you know, who's coming back, who's not coming back, you know, the one-time transfers, do you save scholarships, you know, for, for the transfers or how many high school kids do you go recruit? I mean, all these questions and, you know, and how many guys are going to leave with attrition, you know, you know, with the one-time transfer. I mean, so many unknowns from year to year now, um, it's extremely difficult. Um, you know, and I think that's why you have to run a program where you treat your guys with respect you know, you you if you have a player run program like we're trying to create here, then I think guys want to be involved. They want to they want to be around the program, and and hopefully you're able to keep a lot of those guys from getting in the portal, and also keeping these guys in this COVID year where they can come back and play again. So I think that's that's really uh, a really a big priority for us. Well, and it seems like your players are having fun and enjoying being there, but this feels like a very different time this time this year than than it was for you guys this time last year. What did you learn from that experience last year and and how did you approach that with the players and and you know make sure that they were they were on board with you going yeah. forward? Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously last year was tremendously hard on everybody um and 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 everybody surrounded in, in most all these football programs across the country and it was it was very difficult for us. Uh you don't know, you know, who was going to be out from one day to the next uh, with with the virus um or contact tracing and you know, we missed several 
several games we missed a lot of players and you know and every, you know and I think I think we grew tremendously as a football team last year I know from the outside in they're going to look at our record and say you know you guys were not very good but but I think we grew a lot as a team I thought we came became closer as a football team and then that propelled us in the offseason we had a really good offseason last year you know, I think as a coach, I learned a lot about patience and a lot of uh, maneuverability, you know, because one thing <laughs> changed, <laughs> you know, you would say weekly, but it changed hourly um, last year. And you had to be very patient with that. And but we became closer as a team. And then I think that propelled us in, in the off season to have a great offseason. And, and really this year, we, we've had a really good year. I mean, we can, you know, go out and win Saturday, win seven games and people will look, okay, well, that's seven games. That's pretty solid, you know, but Man, we were in every game this year, you know, minus the first game against Ole Miss. You know, we were literally in every game, a uh, very competitive product that we put on the field, which was a far cry from where we were when I took this job, you know, three years ago. And we've come a long way as a program. We, we have um, over 70 freshmen, when you think about the, the extra year that we're getting that are on this roster. Right. Um, you know, so we've, we've, I think we've built a great foundation here for, you know, I think years to come where this team's going to be one of the better teams in the ACC. So let, let's talk about this game this week because you, you didn't get to play it last year. There's obviously a lot of bragging rights within the state of Kentucky. I mean, if, even in your own town, you, you've got UK fans that, that you probably pass by every day. Uh, and I'm sure they, they have nice things to say to you. But for your program, you know, the, the, you've only played in this rivalry once. It was a 45-13 Kentucky win. They, they had a, a pretty big win the year before, uh, before your staff got there. How do you turn the tables on that rivalry? Well, I think, you know, for us, it's, it's, it's our program. You know, from where we are, we're a completely different team today, this week, as we were two years ago when we went down and played a, a, down in Kentucky. So, uh, you know, it's about just building this program and, and, and putting the, the type of players we want to put in the program and, and then going out and performing. you got to go perform on, on the game day. There's no question about that. You know, they've had our number the last few years, and, you know, but but for us, this is only our second time playing, and you know, we're, we're like I said, we're a different football team now. You know, they've got a really good program and a good team, and Coach Stoops has been there. He's one of the longest tenured coaches in the SEC and probably in the country, really. You know, and uh, you know, I think they've had that longevity, that consistency to be able to build a program, which I think is unusual in today's climate as we're seeing right now across the country. And um, there's not there's a lot of administrators that don't have a lot of patience. I think. Um, you know, that, that we're seeing out there in this, uh, in this, uh, you know, environment that we're in. So, so for us, it's about going out and playing great on, on, on Saturday. You know, you have to, you have to have a great game prep week, uh, which we're in the middle of that right mm -hmm. now, but you have to go out and perform on, on that, on that game day. Um, so we're excited about being at home. It should be a great crowd, um, a great environment for us. Um, as you mentioned, yeah, every day we're, I mean, we live in the state of Kentucky, so there's a lot of Kentucky fans everywhere. So, you know, wherever you go, you're going to see a few. Um, and it'd be really nice um, to get some bragging rights because it hadn't been very much fun since the last time we played them. Yeah, you throw an L at them. On, on the, and, and it's, you know, the L means one thing to you, and at that point it would mean something else to them. So it, it, would, <laughs> it would serve a dual purpose. So uh, there you go. Yeah, no question. Scott Satterfield, thank you so much for joining us, and, uh, and good luck on Saturday. Okay. Appreciate it, Andy. Take care.